I'll try not to uh, be long tonight. Any of you that know me know that I, I typically don't take a whole lot of time, and uh, I, tonight's not going to be any different. Um, when Pastor got a hold of me last night, I, I, I got to think, well, you know, what, what, what can I say and what can I, what can I talk about? And what came to my mind was basically God's provision. And I know it's a very general subject, very simple. But if you look in your Bibles in Philippians 4.19, there's one verse of Scripture that uh, we all know fairly well. And if you don't, it's, it's pretty simple, and it's a very encouraging verse. And that's what I hope to do tonight, encourage someone. Uh, 4.19, Philippians 4.19 says, But my God shall supply all your need according to his riches and glory by Christ Jesus. Now, typically when I, when I want to speak, I try to make sure that I'm covering all my bases. And so we'll start off tonight. When, when we're talking about need, need in this verse, need or needs, we're talking about the necessities of life, the things that we have need of. We're not talking about wants here. Now, a lot of times we confuse the two. We say, God, I need this, and I need that. And then we go back and we look at it for a minute, and we're like, well, you know, is that really, is that really a need, or is that just my want? And most of the time, I think I, f- I find out from my own experience, it's usually a want that sometimes I think is a need, but I, I think it's so important that I, I pray. I'm like, God, I, we just we gotta have this. This is, this is a need. But in truth, it's, it's more of a want because God supplies our needs. Notice in this verse, the word is singular. The word need is singular. It says need. It doesn't say needs. Now. I'm going to borrow this from what I heard someone say one time. They said, now this is, this is something you really need to understand. You know, this could be, this could have a meaning of this is only one thing that you need. Because it's need, you don't have a bunch of needs. You only have one need. And maybe that need isn't a what, but it's a who. So if that's the case, then the what that, that you need is not a, it's not a what at all. It's a who that you need. And that need is Jesus. So if you have a need, really what you really have is you have a need of a, of a who, and that is the Lord. So when you have him, you have all that you need. That makes sense? Okay. It's not a, a what that you need, but a who. God will always provide for your needs. I truly believe that. I believe that no matter how many times that we find ourselves in a place of, of of want, seemingly, uh, it, it, when we have a, a, an issue or something that goes on in our life, and we find ourselves, we feel like we're destitute. We feel like we have something that God just has to take care of. God is always going to take care of that. He will always fulfill our needs. We cannot carry on for long without needs being satisfied. Try living your life with no food or no water. We all know that that is a basic human need. We all have basic human needs, and food and water 
is what we would call a basic need in our life. We can't live very long without it. I know when I fast a little bit, <laughs> a little bit, man, it's, it's, it's not always easy. You know, it's easier for some and uh, others, you know, it, it just, you know, I fast between meals. You know, that's how I do it. You know, you got, got all, the, all that spiritual taken care of there. So when you, when you fast like that, it's, it's, it's all right. But we can't, we can't live very long without food and water. And it's sad to see, you know, sometimes you, you may read the news or see an article somewhere where they're, they're, uh, you see people that are all over the world, international uh, places, uh, that the, the people there are, are without. They're without basic needs, fresh water, uh, clothes, and the like. It's very sad. But I'm telling you tonight that God, he always takes care of those things for us when we serve him. Now, I'm going to talk about something here. When we talk about other needs, one of the other needs that we have is, is a place to live. Now, I, I've been up here. I've lived up here uh, the second time. I've lived for about eight years. And I guess this will be my eighth winter up here. And the mild winters up here are bad to me. So, it. <laughs> If you, if you think that the mild winters are easy and great, well, just remember me because I think they're hard. I think they're difficult, and I can't imagine, you know, just what it would be like living farther north where they have all kinds of snow and so forth. But imagine trying to make it through a winter, night, a, a winter uh, day or month or whatever without a place to stay. And we know that there are plenty of people on the street that don't have homes. They live in shelters and so forth. But the fact of the matter is, our, our human body has to have a place to, to re, uh, retire. We have to have a place to go and hide and basically uh, recharge. Uh, so no matter, what, no matter what the place is that you call home, it's a necessity. It's a basic need of life. It's a, it's a place that you have to have to go. And without, the, uh, without these places that we, we call home, whether it's a tent or whether it's an apartment or... or you know, somebody here has a mansion, uh, you know, that, that is our home, and we have to have those places. And it's not just winter. I mean, you, you can't stay out very long in the sun, uh, and you get sunburned real bad. You need a place. You need a shade tree. You need some place to go. You need a place from the rain. Because if we didn't, we would be very vulnerable and susceptible to diseases and things that, that uh, you know, the, the rest of that that we deal with in life. Sorry. <clears throat> so the list goes on. The needs that we have. We have a need of clothing. We need clothes. We need our health. We need a job. A job is something that makes a lot of things possible. We need a source of income, I should say. A lot of things. There's some also there's also some things that are basically intangible. When we talk about needs. We have a need of divine protection. We need God to watch over us. We need him to preserve us. We need him to keep his eye, to keep his hand on us, keep, him, keep us in his eye. We need him. With that, there are also spiritual needs that we, that we have. We come to church. We come to worship. But we also come to be fed. We also come because we have needs in our life that sometimes 
we can't, as a, as a person, as a minister, we can't always say things to someone, but it's only a work that God's Spirit can do in us. There's healings that only God's Spirit can do in our, in our life, in our, in our minds, and in our spirit. We have a lot of needs. So it's a very general topic when you talk about somebody having a need or when you talk about God, God being a provider of all of our needs because it's very extensive, very exhaustive. And, and, and this, this trying to explain it gets exhausting, you know, trying to get up here and say, well, you got this need and this need, and let's, let's get them all covered. But I want you to understand, if you don't get anything else, that God is going to provide all of your needs according to his riches in glory. Now, there are a lot of wealthy people in the world. And uh, my son was talking about something on the way uh, to church tonight and uh, talking about some wealthy men in America. And I, I said, you know, I said, but really, do you... Would you rather have all that wealth? I mean, that's great and wonderful, and everybody wants to have a good life. I said, but really, would you want the, the wealth that these men have basically in exchange for the Lord? Would you want to be wealthy and just have money? You wouldn't know what to do. I said, there's sorrow that comes with those riches. There's, there's heartache. And, and I'm, I'm not against wealth per se, but the fact of the matter is these men he, were, he was talking about were just incredibly wealthy. And... When you talk about those kind of riches, worldly riches, that's, that's a different story. But when you talk about God's riches, God's riches are so much better than the, than, the, than the riches that we have to offer in this world, this world has to offer us. His provision extends way beyond the obvious. We, we have all these needs that we think that we have to have. You know, I've mentioned... We need clothes, we need food, we need water, we need shelter. You know, some of us think that we need, we need iPhones and we need the Internet, you know. Um, I, got a, I got a few kids, and every once in a while they, they get out of line, so we have to kind of rein them in by taking certain electronic gadgets away for like an hour. <laughs> so, so they're... They're 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 really suffering. So yeah, you you don't know the half. Um, it's really miserable around our house. Um, but when they they lose that that little privilege of of whatever they're playing, whatever game, and you know, it, it's it, it's really it's really tragic. You know, you just you just have you just have to understand that those are not those are not wants. I, I really. I really wish that I could have some of those things. I really do. And maybe maybe I need them. Maybe I do. And I just haven't seen that yet. Or the Lord hasn't seen that. He hasn't he had seen that I, I need this particular uh, you know, iPhone or whatever. But, that, but God knows what we need, and he provides what we need. There's no, there's no mistake. A need gives the opportunity... For God to provide for us. But also consider this. A need gives us the opportunity to trust God for it. For us to believe that he's going to meet it. See, what happens is when we recognize that there's something missing in our life. 
I know my immediate response sometimes is worry. The first thing I want to do is worry about it. Um, I don't have, you know, the means to pay my bill or, or I have something that I'm not going to get this done. This isn't going to work out. And so I begin to worry. And the fact of the matter is, I'm not trusting God when I worry. I'm not giving him an opportunity, excuse me, for, uh, for him to provide or to make an opportunity to, to, to make a way for me because I'm, I'm already drifting toward doubt and a lack of faith by worrying. So I, I, I want, to, want to really try to help myself and maybe help you so that when you have a need, know that it gives God the opportunity to provide, yes, but it gives us the opportunity to trust him to provide. Trust in the Lord with all thine heart and lean not into thine own understanding. That's Proverbs 3 and 5. That was one of the first verses I think I learned as a child. And I, I, I never forget those things. And when you, when you think about how that God has, has led you and kept you over the years, he's not, he's not going to fail you now if you trust in him with all your heart. He's not going to let you down. Trusting and believing that God will meet your needs does not mean that we, have to, we don't have to be proactive. Faith without works is dead. Let's look at some uh, biblical examples of faith in action. If you look at uh, 1 Kings 17, if you have a Bible or an iPhone... Or an iPad. <laughs> Pardon me. First Kings 17. I just, I thought these were some good examples of God's providing or his provision, the way he provided for people. I know we read these stories and we know these stories by heart, but I think it does us some good to be reminded of what God did then and he hasn't changed one bit since that time. First uh, Kings 17, chapter 1. I'm going to go ahead and read most of this scripture. And Elijah the, uh, Elijah the Tishbite, who was of the inhabitants of Gilead, said unto Ahab, As the Lord God of Israel liveth before whom I stand, there shall not be dew nor rain these years, but according to my word. So Elijah basically just brought a, a curse down. I mean, he... <laughs> The land needs rain, so he was. the Lord told him to say that, and it didn't rain. And the word of the Lord came unto him, uh, saying, Get thee hence, and turn thee eastward, and hide thyself by the brook Cherith, that is before Jordan. And it shall be that thou shalt drink of the brook, and I have commanded the ravens to feed thee there. So he went and did according to the word of the Lord, for he went and dwelt by the brook Cherith, that is before Jordan. And the ravens brought him bread and flesh in the morning and bread and flesh in the evening, and he drank of the, of the brook. So God provided for him in a very unique way. I mean, obviously, they drank out of brooks a lot during that time, so it wasn't a big deal, you know. But the fact that, that God commanded ravens to bring him food, I think some, I don't know if Scripture bears this out, but I think some believe that those ravens got food from Jezebel, or the Queen Jezebel, who was his enemy at that time, 
from her table and brought it to him. I don't, I don't know where they got the bread or the food or where, where they got. But the fact of it is, God used the ravens to feed Elijah. But, verse 7, And it came to pass after a while that the brook dried up, because there had been no rain in the land. And the word of the Lord and the word of the Lord came unto him, saying, Arise, get thee to Zarephath, which belongeth to Zidon, and dwell there. Behold, I have commanded a widow woman there to sustain thee. So he rose and went to Zarephath. And when he came to the gate of the city, behold, the widow woman was there gathering of sticks. And he called to her and said, Fetch me, I pray thee, a little water in a vessel that I may drink. And as she was going to fetch it, he called to her and said, Bring me, I pray thee, a morsel of bread in thine hand. And she said, As the Lord God liveth, I have not a cake, but a handful of meal in a barrel, and a little oil in a cruise. And behold, I am gathering two sticks that I may go in and dress it for me and my son, that we may eat it and die. And Elijah said unto her, Fear not, go and do as thou hast said, but make me therefore a little cake first, and bring it unto me, and after make for thee and for thy son. For thus saith the Lord God of Israel, The barrel of meal shall not waste, neither shall the cruise of oil fail, until of the day that the Lord sendeth rain upon the earth. And she went and did according to the saying of Elijah, and she and he in her house did eat many days. And the barrel of meal wasted not, neither did the cruise of oil fail, according to the word of the Lord, which he spake by Elijah. Which is, that is, that is to me is, is a, an awesome example in scripture when you talk about not just, you know, a, a simple thing like a lady who was, who was a widow, she had a son, she had very little food, it was a, there was a famine, and here comes the, the preacher, the, the, the prophet, he says, give me some water, and while you're going, get me, get me a cake. She said, I don't really have anything. I have some meal and some oil, I'm going to make a cake, I'm going to bake it, and I'm going to eat it, and my son, we're going to eat it, and then we're going to die. That's real, real encouraging, isn't it? But that's the way it was. It was a famine. They, they were in need of some rain. They, they, there were no crops that could be grown. There, were no, uh, there was no uh, brooks running with water and things that were readily available. And so these, these people were in a, in a desperate situation. So if, if I was in that lady's shoes, I would probably say, well, you know, let me think about this first. Because, you know, I could eat, either eat one more meal and then let whatever happened to me happen to me. Or I can obey the man of God who said, take care of me first, and then I'm going to see something miraculous. And that's what happened. But I have, to, I have to say, I would identify with the maybe the little skeptical initially to say, well, no, I, that doesn't make any sense because if this is all I've got, where is the oil and where is the where is the the uh, f- the flour or or, or uh, whatever the meal that she had? Where is that going to come from? When it's gone, it's gone. But the fact of the matter is, God provided in that situation. God made a way. He gave them an oppor- her an opportunity to see His hand at work, to see the miraculous, and she obeyed. That is what you call faith in action. Had she done otherwise, had she done what she wanted to do, she would likely have starved to death. And it would have been another story written about somebody else. It would have been a, a different outcome in the Bible. And we wouldn't have that to, to, uh, to build our faith. Turn to Matthew uh, 14, 
and 15. And I want to read, let's see, just a few verses here. This is the, uh, this is where Jesus feeds the 5,000. I think it's interesting, though, you got the, you got the four Gospels. This story is in, actually in all four Gospels. So it was significant enough that all four apostles wrote about it. And so, you know, it, it made quite an impact. And I would, I would think that this miracle was significant. It did have an impact, obviously, because there were 5,000 people fed. Verse 15, Matthew chapter 14 says, And when it was evening, his disciples came, saying, This is a desert place, and the time is now past. Send the multitude away, that they may go into the villages and buy themselves victuals. But Jesus said unto them, They need not depart. Give ye them to eat. Now, I remember those lessons with, was Dr. Robert Morris, uh, and he talked about Jesus. I don't know if you, any of you all probably remember that as well. And if you, if you weren't here for those lessons, those were good lessons. Um, but what he talked about is how that Jesus put it all back on them. He said, you give them to eat. I want you to do it. And they said, verse 17, they said, they say unto him, we have here but five loaves and two fishes. Well, you can do the math there real quick. And you know, know that five loaves and two fishes are not going to feed 5,000 people. And that's what the dilemma was. Jesus was telling them to do one thing that made no sense. So they had the opportunity to say, Lord, you know, are, are, we, gonna, are we really going to embarrass ourselves and get, take this little bit of food here and begin to multiply it or, or tear it up? I said they didn't have the clue what the Lord was about to do. But, you know, get, feed the first three people that, you know, they get a fish sandwich and, and everybody else gets what? They had the opportunity to doubt God. But they didn't. He said, Jesus said, bring them to me. That's pretty simple. You know, he, he, didn't, he didn't ask them to break the bread and, and do all the, you know. He said, he said, you give them to eat. But then he said, when they told him what they had, he said, bring them to me. And he commanded the multitude to sit down, and he took the five loaves and the two fishes, and looking up to heaven, he blessed, and he broke, and broke, and gave the loaves to his disciples, and the disciples to the multitude. And they did all eat, and were filled, and took up of the fragments that remained, twelve baskets full. And they that had eaten were about five thousand men, beside women and children. So there you have another miracle. Matter of fact, you might consider every miracle that the Lord performed during his ministry on earth was an example of provision. Uh, you know, in some cases you think, well, he when he raised the dead or he healed someone that was sick, you know, that's 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 life. Those are things that weren't necessarily a need, but but the Lord did it anyway. Because it was a, I believe he did that for his glory. Uh, but you could consider every miracle that he did an example of divine providence. Truthfully, every miracle in the Bible uh, is an example of, of the Lord 
providing in a way that, that it, for the most, it's supernatural. I mean, there's times where, you know, you may, you may get something and the Lord may provide it, but you, you easily explain it away in your mind like, well, yeah, I, I knew I had that coming at some time, but well, let me give you an example. You heard those stories where people will give in the offerings and then they'll, be, they'll, you know, they'll go home, whatever, it was their last $50 or whatever, and they'll go home trusting the Lord and they go to their mailbox the next day. And they open their mailbox, and there's a $50 check for something, you know, whatever they're, whatever they did. You know, oh, praise the Lord. And it's a testimony. And I truly believe that God provides. But it's easy to explain something like that away and say, well, you know, I, you know, I had a refund coming or, I, you know, there was a, something that I mailed in. I got, I got something back or whatever. It's easy to explain those kind of things away. And I think that, that when, you, when you look at, an example that the Lord, when he actually does something miraculous, you know, sometimes we try to explain it away, you know. Um, let's talk about healings just for a minute. Um, when the Lord heals somebody, a lot of people will say, well, you know, I've been on this new diet, and I've been taking this this supplement, or I've, been, I've been doing this or whatever, and and." So when when I when I asked the Lord to heal me, something happened. Yes, I believe the Lord touched me, but you know I really think this X product over here or whatever it is I'm thinking it's really it's, I mean it's really got me. I'm 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 on my game now, and so it's easy to take something that I think that God deserves a lot of credit for, and credit to something that is is not so uh, spiritual after all. And I'm not saying those things don't help. Don't get me wrong. I'm not against medicine. I'm not against supplements. I'm not against any of that. But I think it's real important as people of God to trust in God and give him glory. And, and, and when he does something, to say, yeah, you know, I, I believe it was the Lord. You know, um, somebody said, well, you know, when I was in, 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 in Bible school, there, there a lot of guys would say, well, you know, I don't believe in doctors. And, you know, they wouldn't even take a Tylenol for a headache. And if you don't, that's fine. You know, you don't believe in Tylenol or medicines or anything like that. But... Um, you know, I, I think, I think it, 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 it's, it's, a, it's a good thing. You, you may be surprised that there are people that don't believe that you need to go see a doctor. But there, I, I have known people uh, that have believed that way and did not, did not believe in a doctor. And, you know, they might have got better. They might not have. They might have passed on from this life. But the argument was in Bible school that, you, you know, you, could, you didn't need to go see a doctor. I'm kind of the opinion that you need a doctor. It may be in some cases, uh, but you, as you need a pastor, as you need a, a leader in your life to stand up and, and be that one who expounds, you, you, need, you need that minister. And, and I think a, a doctor is kind of that way. Now, they're not perfect. They're men. Uh, but the fact of the matter is God does the work, whether he uses the hand of the surgeon or he uses a medicine or something all in all, I believe it's God who deserves the glory for it. It's God is the one who provides that particular miracle or that healing. The fact is that you must demonstrate to God your faith in him by being obedient. Faith without works is dead. No faith, 
if you or no works, I should say, where is your faith then? I mean, it's 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 a it's a good topic to 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 study, but if you don't have any kind of works that demonstrate that you have faith in God, look at Naaman the leper or, or, or the Syrian. Is that, is that right? Naaman the Syrian. Uh, he he was told by the prophet to go wash in Jordan. By something of seemingly an act so very, it was ridiculous. I mean, what he what he had to do go go dip in the water seven times, you know, go tell some somebody to go dip in a swimming pool seven times, and they're going to be healed of whatever problem they have. That sounds ridiculous, but he he went and did it. And I'm sorry, I don't. I think it was naming the Syrian. Um, you go find out and tell me I'm wrong. So, but he he went and did it. And the Lord healed him. And so it was his act of obedience, even as ridiculous as it might, might have sounded, God provided for him a miracle. And that's the same with, with us. Switching gears a little bit, God is in the business to sustain his people. His, his purpose is to provide for us. or he, he, Not just his purpose, his, his purpose and his plan for us involves him providing for us. We are in the middle of a of a building program. Let me just say something. You know, we we are we are moving along quickly, but and please don't take this as a as as negative or whatever, but there are no guarantees that that building is going to get built. And here's why I say that. Because it's up to us to continue Number one, our sacrifice, sacrifices and things. But we have to keep giving and, and trusting God that he's going to provide. And then where he doesn't provide, hey, then it's up to us, I guess, to, to step in. So that's, it's going gonna, it's gonna to happen when we recognize that this is our place. God wants us to be here. He wants us to, to be doing this and this and, and so forth. But... Like I said, don't don't take that as a negative. All I'm saying is the guarantees. If everybody said, well, you know what? I'm just gonna have church by myself. Everybody stop coming. Or, or somebody said, you know, well, you know, we'll just do our own thing. You know, everybody else will work. If everybody says, you know, I'm you know, there's a work day, but everybody else will show up, so there'll be enough work. If everybody says that, then there's not gonna be anybody there. So that's why I say that if you don't have some works to go with this thing, it's not going to happen. But it is going to happen by faith. Amen. Not only during this building program, we're going to need, talked about Brother Watkins hurting his finger, we're going to need a lot more than just money and, and men and, and women, and we're going to need a lot more than just all of that. We're going we're gonna to need God's protection, God to keep his hand on us. We're going to need... We're going to need God to, to give us strength during those times where we think, man, I just I got too much going on. I, I don't know if I can keep this up. We're going to need God's provision during that time. God is always going to provide for us. I hope that encourages somebody, uh, encourages someone tonight. Because sometimes I think we feel like that, you know, we, we're forgotten in, 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 a, in a world full of seven plus billion people. And that no, no one, you know, how can God, you know, keep his eye on, on me? And, you know, we're just, we're just a, a, a nameless face. 
But the fact of the matter is, we're not. I think it was David that said, I have never seen the righteous forsaken. I've never seen his seed begging bread. God is always going to provide for his people. It doesn't matter what your, your place in life is right now. It doesn't matter how you, how you, you feel like sometimes that, that God has, has maybe given up. You know, you, you ever feel like that? You feel like, well, you know, I've prayed for this need for, for years, and, and uh, you know, I feel like it's a need. Maybe it's just a want. But you, you pray for something, and you feel like that, that God is, is, is turning, you know, he's, he's not listening. But he is listening, and he knows what you need. And that's the difference between needs and wants. God knows what we need. You know, where, he's, where he guides us in life, this is a, a cliche, it's worn out. You've heard it. But where he guides us in life, he's going to provide. He's going to provide that little bit of, of whatever it is we need for that particular time, that particular moment, and that particular place in life. Amen. I hope I've helped somebody tonight. God bless you. Brother Jordan. Thank you, Brother Jordan. Let's stand to our feet tonight. Appreciate the word of the Lord. Gives us hope and understanding. Whatever we need, God already knows. And the issue is he's already provided it. He says, whatever you have need of, we can ask in prayer. He's going to provide it. But he knows what we have need of before we ever ask. Well, we have not because we ask not. So we learn to ask. And if we're not asking amiss, asking for selfish purposes, when we're asking in the will of God, he will provide it when it's for his kingdom's sake. Come on, let's sing this chorus together. He's already provided. He's already provided everything you need. He's already provided. Yes, he has. Every promise you can claim. Just ask it in His name. Everything you need. Oh, yes. He's already provided. Come on, with eyes closed, thoughts toward Jesus now. He's already, already provided. Yes, He has. He's already provided oh, everything you need. He's already provided. Aren't you glad for that? Just ask it in His name, everything you need, He's 
is already provided. Now, would you thank him for that? Lord, we love you tonight. Thank you, God, that you're a God of provision. Lord, you know exactly what we need, every one of us. You're concerned with us. You're concerned with our needs, Lord. You're concerned with our spiritual condition. You're concerned, Lord, with our emotions. You're concerned, Lord, with our physical needs. And, Lord, we thank you that you're a God that provides for us and makes a way for us. Thank you for your word, which is a lamp unto our feet and light unto our path. Lord, I pray tonight for every home and family.